This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Now, let's talk about clothing. I I discovered something years and years ago. I had a black Calvin Klein t-shirt that I loved. It was just the right size. And have you noticed with clothes that if it's the fit that's working for you, you just have such a bond with that particular um, item of clothing. I, I, I actually think, I mean, of course, I'm no style guru, but I think it is all about the fit rather than the style. I think that clothes that hang correctly on the body just look great. And I think that the actual look of the, the item is secondary. So it's all about fit, 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 in my opinion. And I like a slim fit. I like a long, slim T-shirt. And that's what this Calvin Klein T-shirt was. Well, I loved it so much that I wore it all the time. And I overwore it because I'm wearing it. Then it gets washed and it starts to like lose its luster. You know, it's kind of looking worn out. Just kind of a worn out T-shirt. Um, have you had items of clothing that you basically just wear out? It's annoying, isn't it? They become a victim of their own success, like your favourite jeans that start ripping because you've just worn them so much. And of course, as you know, washing clothes is pretty hard on them. In a future episode, I've got an amazing uh, laundry hack for you in relation to preserving your clothes. But here's today's hack. The Calvin Klein t-shirt was black, but now it's like almost grey. It's completely washed out. I don't love it anymore. So what am I going to do? Well, I was in a shop and I noticed this product and it was called Dylon Color Dye. Now, wherever you are in the world, there will be dyeing products at your service. Okay, you can get it's not that difficult to dye clothes, but Dylon, D-Y-L-O-N, is one particular brand. And what they do is they they, they actually have it, it's essentially um, a big um, it's it's this kind of device, plastic device that actually goes into the washing machine. And it's got the dye in and it's mixed in with other um, other things, including salt, which helps the dye to work. So it's an all in one thing, little product pod. It's a pod. That's what it is. It's a dye pod. And you can choose your colours. You've got yellow and you've got blue. And anyway, so I spotted this product and thought, well, why don't I try that with the Calvin Klein T-shirt? And I put it in the machine, switched it on. And all you do is you treat it like a normal wash. Just you have this, you what your whatever item of clothing that you're washing you, you put it in damp and you put it on a kind of normal 40 degree cycle and at the end of that you've dyed your clothes right then what you need to do is just do another cycle where you wash it so you can actually get the chemicals from the dye out but the dye will stay anyway so I did this with my Calvin Klein t-shirt was astonished by the results it's come out as a completely brand new looking black T-shirt. Now, I don't just mean that the colour has been restored, that the pig pigment is a nice dark black. OK, but actually it almost seemed to kind of improve the texture of the cotton T-shirt as well. So it didn't just look like it was its original colour. It looked like a new T-shirt. So it turns out that when cotton gets old, it doesn't really wear out. It's just lost its pigment. It's lost its color. It's lost the dye. So if you have an item of clothing you used to love, just re-dye it in its original color 
and you will have a new item of clothing. And this T-shirt was essentially brand new. If you saw me wearing it, you're like, hey, nice new T-shirt. Fantastic. Well, after the success of that, it got me to thinking, what if I've got items of clothing that I'm bored with and I want to have them in a different colour? So, for example, I had a couple of white shirts and I decided, well, let's just go for a different colour. Let's go for pink. OK, uh, this Dylon company has has a colour which is flamingo pink, a very bright sort of shade of pink. Now, don't forget, this is a white shirt. Very boring. Uh, the problem with white shirts as well is that they also go a bit dull over time and you're not able to dye a white shirt. Nothing you can do about it. So your only option with a white shirt that's knackered is to go for a different colour. Um, so that's what I did, Flamingo Pink, which I've got here. Now, uh, let me um, tell you that many people listen to this show rather than watch it. So I will just describe it. But for anyone watching, you'll see that it's a lovely, very, very lively pink. And I get a lot of compliments when I wear it. And it's like a brand new item of clothing. So I've upcycled, really, haven't I? Rather than throw away that shirt, the white shirt, or give it to charity... I've given it a new life and it's, I mean, it's amazing. It was like going shopping and I've bought a shirt, except I haven't. And this dye product, it costs about five or six quid, which of course is not nothing, but that's not a high price for a brand new item of clothing, which is what effectively you've achieved. Um, lots of different colours. So, for example, yeah, navy blue is great for jeans or chinos. Um, importantly, it has to be cotton. This dye does not work with polyester. And the reason why is that polyester is basically plastic. And so it does not absorb the dye. So these products, these domestic dyeing solutions uh, work best with cotton. And also another warning. Um, you might have a cotton item, but the stitching could be polyester, which means that you will have if your white T-shirt or your white shirt is dyed pink. It could be the stitching remains white. But actually, I think that can be quite a nice detail. It looks like you've chosen uh, for it to be that way. Um, you won't know until you've done it because some stitching is cotton, which means the whole item will be the new colour. But give it a go. Try dyeing your own clothes. An absolute adventure. I have got a, a yellow shirt, which I wear with a navy blue suit and then a dark tie. And it really pops. The yellow of the shirt just pops. It Pops, it just, it just, it, it you know, zings, um, it hums, it's slightly electric. I've got a great hack for aging. If you feel old, all you have to do is imagine that it's 10 years from now and you're looking at a picture of yourself. Okay, so let's say you're 40, right? Imagine you're now 50 and you're looking at a picture of you today. And when you look at that picture, you will have one thought, which is, oh, my God, I wish I was 40. I was a baby. This works for every age. So if you are 60 and you feel old, just imagine how you would feel when you're 70 about the fact that you're now 60, right? The 70 year old you looks at a picture of the 60 year old you and thinks, oh my God, you were so young. What were you worried about? You had no lines on your face, you had energy. So you will always feel younger if you imagine what your 10 year old, 10 year older self would say, and it works a treat, it's miraculous. Um, and it works very well also for time management as well and task management. So my son has 
some very important exams and he calculated that they are about about i think it was 70 70 days from now he's got 70 days until his exams right so that's what what is that sort of a quarter of a year anyway he's like oh my god my first exams in 70 days now that doesn't sound long and that's going to have you panicking isn't it but just jump forward to the eve of your exams okay it's now the exam is tomorrow your first exam is tomorrow what would you pay to have 70 days, right? Just, just the night before your exam, what would you pay to get in a time machine and go back and have 70 days? You'd be like, oh my God, that's all the time in the world. I've got my exam tomorrow. But if I could just transport back and have 70 days, that is like a time millionaire. Well, he's got that already because he's got 70 days. So you've always got to change your mentality, thinking how you would feel in the future. Uh, but this age thing works brilliantly. So I'm 48. Okay. And maybe that's old. Is that old? I don't know. But I guarantee you when I'm 58, I would bite your hand off to be 48. And my 58 year old self will look at 48 year old me and go, you were a child. Why didn't you start that business? Why didn't you take up that exercise? Why didn't you start that new relationship? You were a baby. So you go, whenever you feel old, just imagine what your self would think 10 years from now, looking at a picture of you today. And your you in 10 years time will look at who you are today and consider that to be very young. So there we are. It's an aging hack and it works every time. Names are very important. When somebody is born, they're given a name and they get called that from their first days on planet Earth until their last days on planet Earth. And therefore, their name is sacred to them. It is the master key to someone's soul, their name. And of course, you know the names of your friends and you know the names of your family and your colleagues. But it is a superpower to know everyone's name. And the reason why is because you connect with somebody if you know their name. You key in with their very essence. So, for example, if you are calling a call centre and you've got a problem with your internet... There are two ways to do it. You can just have a generic conversation where you say, hi, uh, this is the problem and it won't work. And it could be that it involves a bit of care and attention from them. Um, the, for some reason, you've got a problem with the Internet. They've checked. It seems fine. And this issue is not going to be resolved. There's a way that will enhance that encounter, that transaction. And it is by asking for their name at the beginning of the call or taking a note of their name when they tell you. So with call centers, when you call them up, um, you say, hi, I've got a problem with my Internet. Uh, and, and you give your account details and they begin to help you. And what I always do is I say, before we start, um, could I do you mind if I ask for your name or you just said your name, but I didn't catch it. Would you tell me what it is? I literally write it down, especially if it's a name uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a more complex name than Bob or Steve. Uh, then maybe I'm going to say, do you mind, do you mind spelling? You're going to think I'm mad, right? But could you spell your name? And I'd like to know what your name is. So I write it down. And let's say that their name is Robert. Okay. It means that from that point on, I go, well, hi, Robert. Thank you for taking my call. I wanted to ask you, my internet's not working, but 
I previously spoke to a colleague. They said it was fine, but it's not. And what you need Robert to do is you need Robert to go above and beyond. Okay, He's going to have to speak to his line manager. He's going to have to make an extra effort to help you resolve this problem. Let me tell you that by asking him what his name is and then remembering it, you've got Robert on your team. And the reason why is life is all about messaging. Okay, so if you ask somebody their name, your message to them is, hi, I'm interested in you. You matter. You are an individual. You're a human being. And I want to connect with you and understand you. So that's the miracle, right? It's a bloody call center. You're just fixing your internet. But you've said, hi, Robert. I'm brilliant. Thank you for taking my call. Courtesy is another good one. We'll do that on another show about the importance of courtesy. But knowing people's names is a super power. right? And I promise you, you will get so much more out of Robert. Now, that sounds like you're using Robert. Well, you are using him. It's a bloody call center. He works there. His job is to help you. But you'll get more from Robert by knowing his name. And you're using when you say Robert, right? That's what his mother called him when he was a week old. Right. And that's that's what his first girlfriend called him. It's Robert or Bobby or Bobby D or Basler. Okay, the big B. BJ. BB King. So it's massive. You call Robert Robert. And can I tell you the other big thing? A lot of life is about making yourself the one percent. And I would I would imagine that about 1% of people try to remember the name of somebody on a call center. I would imagine 1% of people say, uh, hi, could you repeat your name and then write it down or, you know, make a point of working out what they're called. I can't imagine too many people do it, but I do it and I find that it really facilitates, you know, and by the end of the call, I'm at Robert, thank you. That's amazing. I'm so grateful that you did that. People don't do it. And they don't understand it's a massive resource. And that's the point of this podcast. I will give you these tools. I will give you these superpowers. Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, the most successful club manager in the history of English football and definitely a hero of mine. He was famous for knowing everyone's name at Manchester United. Now, this is one of the biggest sporting brands in the world. But he knew the name of the dinner ladies, the cooks, the chefs. He knew the names of the people in the laundry who washed the kit. He knew the names of the receptionists and the people that maintained the building and the guys involved in managing the pitch and mowing the grass and everything. So Ferguson made a point of knowing everyone's name. Um, And there's only one downside to it, which is it takes effort, you know, and I do half the time I do write down these names. I've got notes on my phone. I just scribble down the name Um, because if I think I'm going to speak to someone later, let's imagine, right, if I'm at work and um, I've got a computer problem and my computer um, person is called called um, Hermione, you know, maybe maybe that's a name I could forget. So on my notes, I just go computer person at work, Hermione, and I've written it down. And that means that next time I need to reach out to her, I'm like, what was she called again? What was that? It's a computer lady. What is her name? And I go, oh, yeah, it was Hermione. I looked it up. And then you go and see her and you go, hey, Hermione, how are you? And she's like, oh, he remembered my name. People really appreciate it. It might sound patronizing. It is not patronizing. Um, nobody has a problem with being addressed by their name rather than hire. I used to work for Burger King 
And when people ordered food at Burger King, they didn't even look you in the eye. You're at the till, right? And you're taking their order. This is before the automated stuff. And people would, would like look up at the kind of menu items or they'd look just straight into your chest, but they would never look you in the eye. And no one ever said, hey, Mark, please, may I have, even though I had a name badge that said Mark. Although hilariously, when I started at Burger King, um, they didn't have a name badge with my name on it. So I literally had a different name badge, which was Loretta, which was a woman that didn't work there anymore. And I had Loretta on my uh, lapel. Um, I wonder whether my colleagues were setting me up for a fall there, but no, no one no one looked at my name badge. So this is the other thing that I do, by the way. If I go somewhere where you have name badges, I read the name badge and I go, uh, hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having us. Uh, the other thing I do in terms of names as a courtesy is a bit creepy if you know their name, but they don't know yours. That's like a, a power imbalance. So if I'm at a restaurant, and I get served by somebody called uh, Marmaduke. Um, and by the way, wouldn't that be a great thing? I do feel that there aren't enough people in this world called Marmaduke. I just wonder whether there would be less war and less trouble generally, less less conflict and less human pain and less abuse of power if a hell of a lot of people were called Marmaduke. Don't you think? It must be a very mollifying thing to go around being called Marmaduke. I just I don't see how you could really do many bad things if you were called Marmaduke. You just think, well, I was going to go and murder that person, but I am called Marmaduke. Doesn't really feel like a murder type name, does it? So instead, you just go and knit someone a pair of socks or make a lasagna. So, yeah, um, if I'm in a restaurant, what I'll do is if I know if I've got their name because it's on a badge, I offer mine out of respect. So I'll say, hey, Marmaduke, thank you for serving us. And I'll say, I'm called Mark and the, the, the these are my friends and they're called Steve and Carol. And it's a lovely thing. So. Knowing people's names, absolute superpower. Go for it. Let's go for a couple of other bits and pieces. A great cooking hack, and it's terribly simple. It's the world's quickest recipe, and it's dill mayonnaise. And it's mayonnaise with dill added. That's the end of the recipe. Now, that sounds impossibly simple. And why would that even go onto a podcast? Well, because it's really, really good. Um, are you a fan of fish? Do you like seafood? Because I do. I love prawns. I like salmon cod. I really do like fish. Um, I'm eating less tuna these days because apparently there's so much mercury in it, which is very, very sad. And apparently the, the bigger fish are more polluted. They have more toxic chemicals in them. Apparently the worst is they called swordfish apparently swordfish is full of full of mercury isn't that depressing and annoying and swordfish is really nice uh, but smaller fish like prawns and anchovies and things i believe are, are pretty low in 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 that sort of mercury stuff and the heavy metals and look do you know what we're all going to die one day anyway fish is good for you I, I basically live with a bit of risk i mean i don't eat endless amounts of fish but i do enjoy it a couple of times a week um, and this is an amazing thing and a great accompaniment to fish is dill mayonnaise. So let's say you've got a salmon fillet. I think you'll agree a salmon fillet can be a little bland, can be a little dry. So it works really well with dill mayonnaise. How do you do it? You buy your regular mayonnaise. Um, Hellman's uh, of, of, of the kind of um, brands I think is the best. However, if you can get hold of Hunter and Gather mayonnaise, Hunter and Gather and that's a brand which uses avocado oil rather than sunflower seed or rapeseed oil. 
sunflower oil, rapeseed oil feature in um, an early episode of this show because the seed oils, those vegetables are not great for you and therefore avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, much healthier. But anyway, if you've got regular mayonnaise or if you've got the avocado oil mayonnaise, it doesn't matter. This is a transformative ingredient and it's dill. So you go to the supermarket, you buy your dill and you chop it up with a sharp knife. And dill, dill is, is very easy to cut anyway because it's very, very fine herb. And you just chop it up nice and small. And you're looking at, let's say you've got a 500 gram jar of Hellman's mayonnaise. Um, just Just decant you know with a big tablespoon just chuck a few a few uh, tablespoons into a glass or a cup or or a bowl so you've got a bowl of mayonnaise and then you add maybe three or four tablespoons of chopped up dill and just mix it with a spoon and the mayonnaise will be instantly suffused with the taste and flavor of dill it looks great because it's got dotted with this lovely green herb and it's just the most amazing mayonnaise it's dill mayonnaise it's mayonnaise chop up dill mix it all together spectacular Uh, and the other great one is garlic mayonnaise how do you do that well you take mayonnaise you crush some garlic into it you mix it it's done garlic mayonnaise dill mayonnaise Mayonnaise is excellent at receiving any number of herbs and flavours. And it's so simple. And it means you don't have to go out and buy any of these fancy mayonnaises. And I honestly, I, I do, I, I will sometimes like throw barbecues and things like that. And I get so many compliments on my dill mayonnaise. Like, how do you do that? It's like, you just add dill to mayonnaise. Game changed. While we're on food type stuff, can I talk to you about protein? Because... We need protein. The two essential macronutrients you require in order to not die are fat and protein. Okay, those are the two foodstuffs that you need in order to actually not die. Uh, Carbohydrates are a source of fuel, but they are not the essential ones that without which you die. So you do need fat and you do need protein. And most people don't get enough protein and i think we know why imagine you go to a cafe for lunch what what are you being offered lots of bread lots of sandwiches ciabattas baguette um, big bowl of pasta it's all carbohydrate isn't it with a tiny bit of protein so imagine if it was like a ham sandwich a couple of wafer thin slices of ham and then all that bread so the ratio of protein to carbohydrate is wrong. You need lots of protein and you especially need protein when you get older because um, when you are older, you do not process and absorb protein as easily. And the other problem you've got is that when you get older, you start losing muscle mass from about the age of 35, 40, your body begins very slowly to lose muscle mass, which is why people who are 80 are very physically weak and fall over and things like that the muscle mass dwindles and that's why older older people look like they're shrinking well there's two ways to fix that when you get older you've got to up the amount of protein that you eat because that will protein is consumed as an amino acid which is basically the essence of protein and that that goes into your muscles and it helps you build and maintain muscles the amino protein the amino acid in in um in protein So when you're older, you should eat more, not less protein, because then you will counter the diminution of body mass of muscles in your body. So do that, folks, please. Um, 
But also, for older people, you should do heavy lifting. And we'll talk about that in another show. Because if you lift weights, that grows your muscle mass. So again, you're working against the body's aging mechanism. You need to get stronger rather than weaker. So you're pushing against what nature is trying to do to you. A, by eating more protein and B, by lifting heavy things slowly. So that's that's important that you, you do that. But everybody needs protein. And the problem now is that we are predominantly, because of like processed foods, fast food, junk food, a lot of it is carbohydrates. It's those vegetable oils, it's, you know, French fries and uh, battered chicken, deep fried. You know, you get a burger and it's, it's mainly bun with, a, with, again, a small patty of meat in there. So I'd obviously recommend well-sourced meat, fish, dairy, um, halloumi is good. There, there are lots of options out there. But if you're having trouble hitting your protein goals, then why don't you try whey protein? And whey protein is a, a side um, product of dairy. It's, it's, it's kind of a dairy waste product. And in the production of milk and cream and butter, whey protein is of no use to the food industry. So back in the old days, they just chuck it away or you know, feed it to the animals. It's whey protein. It's just a byproduct of, um, of, of the dairy production, but of no use in the world of food, whey protein. Except that whey protein is the most bioavailable source of protein you can get. Now, what does that mean? Well, bioavailable means the quality of the protein, how easily absorbed it is by the body. The most bioavailable proteins are egg whites and whey protein. So when you eat egg whites, or if you eat whey protein, it gets absorbed straight into the body and it is 100% used to build muscle and to fuel to fuel your body. And then you've got kind of this sliding scale. So then you've got sort of beef, which I think is something like 80% bioavailable. Then you've got sort of chicken and turkey and fish and 60%. And then it starts to go down the plant-based ones, pea protein, um, you know, 30%, that kind of thing. So so there is a, there are, and you can look it up online, but there is a sliding scale of protein bioavailability and which are the best proteins. So in short, when you have whey protein or if you have a steak or if you drink a glass of milk or if you eat some eggs, you're getting that protein pretty much, you know, most of it, all of it, and it's being used by your body brilliantly. If you go for plant-based proteins, it's not as bioavailable and you need more of it, which I don't really approve of, but it's all about opinions, isn't it? So... Um, whey protein is, is good. It's not cheap. And I would recommend you get an unflavored one, ideally grass fed, grass fed, pasture raised whey protein. If you're buying whey protein produced in the United Kingdom or Ireland or indeed across Europe, most European dairy production is, is, is a grass based grass, grass fed anyway. And that'll be lovely beautiful quality and I have a couple of scoops of that and it gets my protein up I find it delicious uh, what I do is I have milk and then I mix it with the whey protein powder and then I'm back to the stevia again but this time I've got stevia which has got a caramel flavor so I've got caramel stevia drops which again you can get on Amazon or your local health food shop um, remember stevia is not sugar it's a natural sweetener that contains no calories and a couple of drops of caramel stevia milk mixed with the whey protein, couple of cubes of ice, the most refreshing milkshake. It's incredible. 
So I would recommend that. Um, I am training at the moment. I'm doing um, I'm doing uh, lifting. I'm, I go to the gym and I lift these heavy things slowly and I'm trying to grow my muscle mass and I'm being helped massively by the whey protein because it helps you just to, one scoop of protein is about 30 grams, which is a lot. So a couple of scoops, that's 60. That's at least half of your protein requirement in one drink. I am a big fan of real food. So if you can get your protein just from real actual food, that is preferable. You don't wanna be chugging whey protein shakes all day long, but as part of a balanced diet, it's a great way to increase the amount of protein that you need. Um, It's debatable how much protein human beings do actually need. I am 75 kilos. And if you've got certain targets in terms of growing your muscle mass, um, some would argue that you you should have uh, one and a half or even two grams of of protein per kilogram of body weight. So it depends. Look it up inform yourself, consume the amount that feels right to you. But I'm 75 kilos and I try to get between 100 and 150 grams of protein a day. And a third of that probably comes from whey protein just because I'm busy and I've got time to cook steaks all day and the rest will come from real food. Uh, But whey protein, a brilliant ingredient. It's expensive, but let me tell you, much cheaper than trying to get that protein exclusively, exclusively from food, because protein is always the most expensive item in a restaurant or in the supermarket. It's not cheap and it helps, therefore. So in a sense, it looks expensive, but it will save you money in the long run. 